Hello and welcome to Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. In this episode, we're using a listener-suggested movie for the first time, 1999's indie documentary classic American Movie. It's been a while since either of us saw American Movie, but when a listener suggested it, we were reminded of how badly we had been wanting to see it again. The film celebrates its 15th anniversary this year, and on top of being our first listener suggestion, it's also our first documentary. And this film is a true indie. It wasn't a sleeper hit like Juno, say, which was a big hit, made a lot of money. This one made a modest $1.1 million, uh, but it won the Grand Jury Documentary Prize at Sundance, and it was a critical hit. It scored, uh, it's got an 84 on Metacritic. And it's often praised as an important film uh, as far as the growth of documentaries as well as independent film. And without going too much into it right now, there have been questions raised over the years as to the intentions of the filmmakers regarding their subjects. So we'll discuss. Is this film something to live for, as Jesus purportedly told me so? Or are we just watching a poor soul repeatedly get his head smashed into a kitchen cupboard? Keep listening. I was a failure. I was a failure and I get very sad and depressed about it and I can't be that no more. I really feel like I've betrayed myself big time because I think when I, I know when I was growing up I had all the potential in the world. Now I'm, I'm back to being Mark who, who has a beer in his hand and who's thinking about the great American script and the great American movie and this time I cannot fail, I won't fail, it's not in me. You don't get second chances and mess them up, you'd be a fool to. Not just finishing films or in the long run getting some money, but it's right now. I feel like it's, like I said, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Now I've got the same options again, and this time I'm not going to fail. This time it's most important not to fail, just to drink and dream, but rather to create and complete. And that was Mark Borchert from the movie American Movie, uh, talking about his vision his, for his film and art and talking grandiose. Being Mark Borchert, Yes, being Mark Borchert, man. <laughs> Um, so let's, let's start off talking about how we felt about this movie before we rewatched it. We've both seen it, yeah. um, but it's been a while. Yeah. And, so, and to just reiterate the, the beginning of our podcast, it, you know, really it was just a listener suggestion that yeah. we should revisit this one. And mm -hmm. it just so happened to be 15 years old this year. Um, yeah. So and yeah, that, that makes me feel pressure. Cause I, I want to know, I don't know what this person wanted us to talk about. So I hope we exactly. do it. We hope we do it justice you know the premise of the podcast has always been that we it's something we disagree on and then we come back and we re revisit it that's not really the case necessarily with this one it's just okay yeah. um but we've been straying we've from been that str <laughs> since like episode two <laughs> that's but true whatever yeah uh we started off with a lofty goal and it's straight sense but um yeah. We had to have a title for the podcast but it is we, one that we have neither one of us had seen for a right. long time i was excited to see it again yeah, exactly so how did you feel before you rewatched it um, okay. So my first time watching American movie, um, it wasn't like, it's not like a movie that I had seen probably anywhere close to when it had came out. This came out in, um, 1999 mm -hmm. and I don't think I actually saw it though until probably, I mean, I saw it on Netflix, so oh, it really yeah. had, it couldn't have been that, it was probably about maybe Last. five years yeah, ago. Yeah. So still a little bit of a, a ways away. Mm -hmm. it, it, it had kind of, um, diminished in my memory. Um, but I do remember really loving this documentary mm. um but it wasn't a very reflective admiration for it like i basically loved it because i thought it was so damn funny yeah like it was such a funny documentary mm -hmm. um and that's about where i left it and mm. i'd never really even thought to think much more about it other than just to appreciate it as this really interesting i guess you could call it a character study yeah um and that it was just very entertaining and that this was um a documentary that I could recognize as being in some ways somewhat new and, and, and groundbreaking for what it was doing with the documentary. Mm. Um, at the time, that's how I felt. I kind of, uh, since then going back and watching a lot more documentaries that came out even before that, I don't know if I'd necessarily even say that, yeah. but at the time I really felt like it was probably something very fresh in 1999. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, uh, I said this in the last episode that I, I actually saw this the same day that I saw Being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. They were both in the new release. 
at um you must have been our, messed up after that day <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i really enjoyed both movies um uh but yeah that is kind of funny the I was like fifteen. For some pretty I was bizarre like or movies 16. to watch. Yeah. yeah, in one yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, that that is a lot of lunacy to take screen. in at that age. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I feel like like I didn't really process it all that well. Um, like you said, I just I laughed like it was so funny <laughs> when I really, first yeah. saw it. And Mike Shank is just unbelievably funny. Yeah. Um, but my only experience at that time with documentaries outside of like school documentaries, which are so blatantly like informative, right? Um, had been limited to like this is Spinal Tap and waiting for Guffman. So for the first like thirty minutes, I I pretty much thought that because it was so outlandish, the characters were so outlandish, the everything was so absurd. I thought this was fake too. Like I never even questioned. And then and it does I, have that that kind of. Well, it's just so funny. Yeah, exactly. That, like, it definitely feels like a waiting for Guffman, like, um, kind of comedy. And so after but a while... But it has that style, too. I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, it's not too far off. I mean, in a style, in a sense that, like, you don't have voiceover narration. Right, right. You don't, yeah, it, absolutely. It's very much a fly-on-the-wall <laughs> yes. kind of feel to the documentary. Right. And uh, so anyway, after a while, I said to my friend, I was like you know, I think they're really doing this. Like, <laughs> I, I still thought it was fake, but I was like, they're really, like smashing this guy's head into the cupboard right, door and yeah. like he's really drunk that's so funny <laughs> that they would do that and my friend looked at me like he was confused for a second he's like well yeah it's a documentary because they're really doing <laughs> and um so I, i'm pretty sure i wasn't quite ready at 15 uh for a movie like this but this time around i i, I thought i would have some questions that i didn't think to ask the first time around because mm -hmm. it was Same just here so yeah. funny yeah. um but that actually um the fact that I was unaware that it was a real documentary, that brings me... One of our, our listeners, actually, let's talk about what our listeners said sure, about yeah. this. One of our listeners, thankfully, also thought it was a mockumentary for a while while they were viewing it. So that made me feel a yeah, lot better. Okay. <laughs> um, but Ben... Kindred spirits. Yeah, yes. Ben, one of our listeners, he, he they hadn't seen it. He and his wife hadn't seen it. They um, watched it along with us, which is awesome. We love it when you guys do that. Um and he he said that it seems like a wild caricature of what every artist feels like as they create. And I think uh, you and I can maybe resonate with that a little bit. Sure, with I music think... and some other things. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and he he remarks that even though Mark and he are vastly different human beings, uh, Ben is working on a, his first full length album, and he found himself understanding some of those struggles. It's and that's why I think connecting it to Spinal Tap was apt and absolutely. waiting for Guffman. Yeah, these are because both... it just gets at that dream and frustration and like all that and it just really nails it um and ben went on to say he was blown away in general by the interactions between characters and that he found the story beautiful uh, the beautiful story about a fast-talking deadbeat artist and his best friends who make a film together um and then he he does say at the end thankfully to me uh i'm, I'm comforted by the fact that he said i'm still trying to cope with the fact that i started watching thinking it was a mockumentary and it's not yeah yeah and I remember thinking, um, even on when I saw it on Netflix, that it, you, you see even the cover of it. I remember thinking this before I watched it the first time. It's this cover of these guys who mm -hmm. look like they could be straight out of a mockumentary, but then it gives it a grandiose title like American movie. American movie. I, I could totally see why. I mean, I didn't fall into that because I, I had a, I, I had kind of just known the background of sure. it before I watched it. But it's understandable. Thank that you. you. I'm gonna. I'll let you pass on that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. The the cover is Mark Borchert and um Mike Shank. Mike Shank yeah. standing looking schlubby with the American movie right. just above them. And um I don't know. I was duped, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we actually didn't get a ton of feedback about this episode, but I wasn't surprised by that because I'm gonna guess that a lot of our listeners maybe haven't seen it before. Um, and that was the case actually with one of our commenters, Dan, who basically just had, once we asked people to weigh in on our website, um, he weighed in by saying that he hadn't actually watched it. He was going to watch it with us, which again, like you said, really love it when you guys do that. But he, um, brought up one of the issues that I think has maybe come up about the documentary over time. Mm -hmm. Um, he said movies about sincere, but over-optimistic struggling artists. Um, and here he said he was inferring from a lot from the trailer cause he hadn't watched it. Um, but he said they always kind of bring him down regardless of how funny they're intended to be, which I think gets at, I think one of the, the bigger questions that's been asked of the movie mm -hmm. since it's come out, which is, um, maybe what are the motives behind Chris Smith and his, why he was making this documentary? Why is it so funny? 
because where's the humor coming and from? What, yeah, what are we laughing what at? What are we laughing at? Exactly. That's the question. I'm glad that Dan brought that up. And I hope that uh, Dan, along with a lot of you guys, do watch it and, and give us your own feedback about um, what you think the movie is really trying to um, get at as far as where it's coming from, what it's trying to say, and what we're really laughing at, where the comedy is actually coming from in this movie. Yeah, and I think that might be uh, also why it seems it seems so easy to think it's a mockumentary is just because for a sec after a while you kind of ask are we really supposed to be laughing at real people like exactly like a, we're it's a asked christopher guest so blatantly movie. Yeah. to laugh at them i i think laugh at them yeah um and then the fact that they're just they're they're real people with real dreams and real aspirations it it, it kind of yeah now, I'll be Sorry, honest, these, these were the kind of questions I wasn't really all that concerned with when I watched it the no, first time. No, nor I. I mean, it was... Those kind of questions had crept up on me over the years as I reflected back on watching mm-hmm. it, but I hadn't rewatched it. So it's yeah. almost like my memory had kind of shifted to still loving the movie, but being a little uncomfortable with that love. Yeah. Like, not knowing what to really think about it. Yeah. And, and not really knowing what to think about the characters. And I'll call them characters, but they are real people. Yeah. The real people that are in this documentary. Yeah. I, I didn't mention this. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin. And oh, yeah. I have yeah. mentioned this. <laughs> I mentioned that I grew up in Wisconsin. But um, did it feel real to you? Did it feel when you first watched it? Because you knew they were in Wisconsin when you watched it the first time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, when they watched like the 97 Super Bowl and like all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. And I was yeah. Yeah. Right there. Um, and it, it's not far from where I grew up. And actually, I, I there was a small movie rental place and music store in my hometown. And they had like an autographed American movie poster, autographed by Mark Borchert and hmm. Mike Shank. And um, I remember one time Mark Borchert was actually in the store um, just talking everybody's ear off. Like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't making an appearance, although they did show Coven uh, at this store. And like they had copies of Coven right alongside the... Um, the documentary on okay. the shelf and things. Um, so it was, it was a little surreal because after I saw it, I was like, Oh, these are real people. And that's them. That's what it's like him right there. Right. Um, and I mean, they weren't any different than they were in the documentary. Like they weren't turning anything on. Although I don't know if they would have that wherewithal to turn it on. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean they're like stupid. They're just so genuine. Like they're just like, they aren't anything but themselves. Right. Exactly. Ever. Um, they're real people <laughs> yeah. um, without agendas. Uh, be, and that's part of what makes me. Um, Should we get into the rewatch yet? Or Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so you, watch, you watched this this week in preparation smoothly. for. Yeah. yeah, I watched it this morning. Um, Did you? <laughs> yeah. I'm very that's busy. like a last minute preparation. It was this morning. It wasn't like right before it oh, okay. came. I mean, you had a few minutes to think about it. Yeah. But. Uh, and here's, I think the tough thing about the documentary is that it isn't overt about anything. It isn't so clearly like ridiculing Mm -hmm. because it gives so much time to his vision and like the way people talk about him, it's really moving that people are Mm -hmm. supporting him. Um, I think that's why it's so hard for me to say whether you're not whether or not you're laughing at them or with them or. Well, why don't we why don't we just ex- why don't we just sort of pull back a little bit? Okay, sorry. And just say you rewatched it. Yeah. Did you still like it? Oh, did you still pull way back? Yeah. No, uh, did you still I did? Did I... you still laugh? Oh yes. Okay. I certainly did. Yeah. So that's not really an issue. I didn't. Yeah. Um. But more. <laughs> but but how do you feel about the documentary? Would you? Would you? Did you like it? Would you recommend it? Um. I I would, and I, I think I think the people who call it only cruel are being unfair to it. Um. Is what I'm. What I was trying to get at. Yeah. What did you think? Did um. You, I I still love this movie. Yeah. I think it's so funny. And no reservations. Um, reservations until I thought it through. Okay. And then I, and I, and I spent a lot of time cause I actually, um, you know, I watched this probably a few days ago mm-hmm. and I'd like to think of myself as not a cruel person. Yeah. So I did want to think through what I was laughing at and, and I wanted to be reflective mm-hmm. about whether or not it was cruel to be laughing at what was happening to these people on the screen. And I don't think that's an unfair question to ask. I think the documentary 
intentionally or unintentionally does leave it very open to mm-hmm. um, for you to decide if you think this is cruel or not, or hmm. for you to really kind of decide basically like what to make of this. Now, I think that hmm. there are some things in there that really do set it apart from something like a mockumentary from a Christopher Guest movie. Yeah. There's a heart to this movie and I'm speaking vaguely heart. I'll get more into that. I guess what I mean by that later, but there's something about this movie that makes it much more, um, compassionate. You know, you thought it maybe was a, uh, was a mockumentary and I could see where you would think that, but once you realize that it's not a mockumentary, you really do see the humanity of these people come through and you do see actually a humanity in the, in the, in the, actual vision of the person making this film chris smith like he's okay. he's i think that he actually does care for these people i don't think he's doing it from a mean place that's interesting i because i feel like i did not get a sense of the from lack of a better phrase authorial intent on it i definitely saw it and i it would i saw him uh him being mark chris or smith chris smith okay displaying several sides of each character, each person, <laughs> uh, which not only, you know, made them more interesting and more three-dimensional, but also certainly humanized them and um, made them very sympathetic. Uh, again, not in overt or saccharine ways, which is what I think elevates this documentary to really good art mm-hmm. um, above something that might have played a lot more heavily on certain aspects. Um, but I don't feel, I did not get as strongly a sense, and maybe I just needed more time to mull it over. I did not get as strongly a sense of what Chris Smith's motivation and what his voice in it was. Sure. Um, which is probably good because it's a documentary and uh, maybe we've just gotten used to documentaries being so editorial. And I think that's actually what to me at the time. Now I've watched other movies, like I said before, that came out before that, that I don't necessarily know if American movie was groundbreaking it certainly was maybe in how um much how much popularity it gained in an independent level um but we were so used to whether it was documentaries you watched in class or whether it was inconvenient truth or michael moore stuff everything had a message yeah everything was actually a documentary was made to tell you what you should think about something or to inform you about something like in a ken burns documentary it was just supposed to be an informative here's an interesting things that happened at the civil war you know all the information (laughs) here's all the the information yeah (laughs) and here was a here was a documentary um you know not really informing you of anything of real value, right. really. I mean, just on the surface, yeah. On the surface, yeah. Just to just a group of guys in Milwaukee or around Milwaukee that mm. yeah <laughs> that want to make a movie and him doing it. No real heavy as far as like no voiceover narration, as I said before. Right. No real um, sense, like even with uh, you know what you would get with um, Werner Herzog. Right. And like Grizzly Man, you get his expo- exposition yeah. over all of it. You get this, and he's definitely leading That's an you. That's essay. Like that exactly. movie is, yeah. This is just laying it out there. Yeah. Um, and so it, it is, you. I think you have to work a little bit to understand maybe what he's trying to say or where it's coming from. And maybe I'm reading too much into it by maybe thinking Maybe we're not supposed about. to figure out what he's trying to say. Yeah. But where I realized, um, and it was actually after I rewatched the movie, that this movie is um, very smart in how it handles its characters and how it handles the comedy of its characters is, and I'm, I'm thinking we'll probably put a clip of this audio on the podcast, but there is, after American Movie came out, after it sort of gained a little bit of popularity, Mark Borchardt actually went on The Letterman Show, David Letterman. Oh, yeah. And they were talking about American Movie, but really he was on because he wanted to sell copies of Coven because he needed to sell copies of Coven. Right, right. <laughs> When you see the handling of him as a character and the clip that they show to the audience, you really get a sense of what Chris Smith could have done with this Hmm. if it was just for laughs, just just for cheap laughs to make fun of him. It is infuriating to watch because what they do is they show the clip of Uncle Bill trying to deliver his line Mm -hmm. of, it's all right, it's okay, you know. The line that we all know if we've seen yeah. this movie, but we've seen the movie. We have, at that point in the documentary, we know these characters a yeah. little bit. Their relationship. What are you laughing in that? What are you really laughing at in that moment? And this is the key, one of the key yeah. scenes in the movie. What you are laughing at isn't necessarily that he keeps fudging up his lines. What you're laughing at is that Mark is putting him in this situation mm-hmm. where he basically knows Uncle Bill 
it's going to be a struggle to get him to get this out. Yeah. Not only from the fact that he's going to have a hard time delivering this line, but from the fact that he's not even coming from a place that believes in this project. Yeah. And you're laughing sort of at this, and it's a sad laughter. I'll give it that. Well, and Mark but Portrait's a, laughing in that scene. And, Mark, and, and Mike laughing, is laughing. He's laughing yeah. in like, oh, I can't even believe it. But that's what you get. If, if you watch the movie, you're laughing with them. You're laughing with that. them at that. And when you watch this Letterman scene, it, it I mean, seriously, I was so angry because these people hmm. were just laughing at an old man who couldn't deliver his lines. I think we have a clip of the documentary, and it's all about uh, our next guest. So take a look here, and just give you an idea who and what this guy is. Okay, let's do take seven, man. It's all right. It's okay. Um, cut. Okay. You have to believe in what you're saying, Bill. Did you? Well, it... I don't. I don't believe nothing. All right. Give it some passion. It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. You did it before. You could do it again. Okay, this is take eight. It's all right. It's okay. Uh... Okay, that's fine. You got to watch your teeth, too, because they clack a little bit when they loosen up in the mouth. All right, that's him right there. That's Mark Borchardt. Come on out, Mark And Letterman went with it hmm. you know i don't mean to make this into a podcast episode about letterman but it really did kind of make me lose a little respect yeah, for him because yeah. then mark comes out and mark is mark he yeah. is exactly who he's going to be he's the same person but letterman basically uses him as a ruse as hmm. someone to just kind of be able to play around with for a few minutes to get some cheap laughs how was, uh, how was your holidays i haven't uh, talked to you since the big millennium. oh well we uh went to a detroit to check out ted nugent and metallica man and uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. I, I bet i could have guessed that you know hey. it just seems about right hey. and this is a guy who was making in that moment a cheap shot on mark mm -hmm. and mark knew it mm-hmm you know, he, you could tell that Mark was a little uncomfortable in there, mm. but he was also still Mark, so he just kept talking. Um, yeah. And from what I understand, reading up a little bit on it, he eventually did go on to even come back to Letterman and do like some correspondence stuff for the election. Oh, yeah. But I didn't see those, but I got to imagine it's just those are all about laughing yeah. at Mark as a person and who he is. Yeah. And Chris Smith, there is an interview that I read in the Dissolve, a recent interview yeah. uh, with him from, I think, February. Where Chris he, Smith? Yeah, and he still talks to Mark. He still knows him. It seems like it's a little odd. Yeah. It's uh -huh. a little odd. I saw that. I saw that interview, too. Yeah. Um, but you get a sense that this that Chris Smith is someone who actually did get to know these people. Yeah. But you see what I mean? No, like it, yeah, you're it absolutely wasn't right. until I saw that clip on Letterman that, how it could have that been I realized handled. it could have been handled even worse than, yeah. it actually, than it actually was. Yeah, that's really interesting. Did you ever see the movie Storytelling by Todd Salons? I did not. It's not a good movie. Okay, um, <laughs> cross it off the list. <laughs> and Todd Salons is a very difficult filmmaker to watch. Uh, I mean, his movies. I don't know about him personally. I've never seen him. But um, he made this movie Storytelling um, and... Uh, the first half or the first part of the movie it doesn't really I don't remember it having anything to do with the second part of the movie except for the fact that it's got some images that you can't unsee um, but the second part is about this kid who wants to be interestingly enough now that you said what you said he wants to be um, like the next Conan O'Brien he wants to be a talk show host okay so he's like a teenager who's got this dream of being a talk show host and so he's like trying really hard to be a talk show host um, and Paul Giamatti plays a documentary filmmaker who follows him around and wants to like make a documentary like i want to ch chronicle your journey and all these things um and paul giamatti like establishes this relationship with him he he really gets him to open up his family life is terrible nobody believes him it's a very very similar to mark borchard's okay. story um and then the kid shows up at the screening of the documentary not unbeknownst to paul giamatti's character who had tried to keep him from it and realized that everybody was laughing at it and todd salons it seemed and from what i can understand because Actually, my one of my distant cousins um, is good friends with Chris Smith. Um, that that movie was like a, a shot at Chris Smith directly, mm -hmm. um, and the way it's, it's portrayed in that movie is that he had to recut things to be funnier. Um, and I, I don't mean and sure. No, yeah, I'm sure I that there were things Chris that were Smith cut for cut humor, things to make funny. I, I, I'm not going to deny that. But yeah. it came from. It's not just because uh, Mike talks slow and mark talks fast and right. like says some stuff 
it really is about their personalities because Mark and Mike, they're both very sweet people. Like mm -hmm. Chris Smith, again, he doesn't lean on it. Much to his credit, he doesn't um, make it a turn in the documentary. But when Mark gives Uncle Bill a bath. Yeah, yeah. I like, noticed that too. It's just like... And there's nothing funny in that, not, really. Not at all. Except for maybe the toenail. Well, but no, but, what's funny... But by that time, you're not their really, relationship. Yeah. It's the way Mark and like Bill... like. You know, this is how they talk to each other. Even yeah. when Mark's giving Bill a bath, they fight. And <laughs> Bill, right. but it's never anything bad. And um, then there were things that uh, Chris Smith did that showed um, a depth of the characters, and it's it's just really, honestly, masterful storytelling. Like when he shows Mike coming to the Thanksgiving. And mm. he's smiling. Mike, dude, what's up, man? I ain't seen you for a while. Your smiling face. Yeah, what the hell happy, you got to say for yourself, happy man? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, yeah, man. What do you have to say for yourself? Yeah, nothing really. What do you got in that bag? Soda. Soda. Yeah. Well, you're lucky we got all ends cartoon, um, taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> you look happier than hell, Jack. Yeah. So do you. <laughs> well, I ought to be, man. <laughs> what do you know that we don't? Well, I won $50 on a lottery ticket today. But I don't want them guys to know because otherwise they'll want to borrow money from me. And, like, that's really funny, but it's also, like, really amazing that he unfolds it that way. And then in, in, a, in a less funny way, but, again, um, really compelling uh, storytelling way, the day of the Packers Super Bowl game when Mark gets drunk... And you see this anger yeah. that you've never seen before. But it's very important to the movie. It, it is. It, it, because, which makes you realize the movie is much more than just laughing at Mark Borchardt. Because, you're right, because in that moment where Mark is really angry mm -hmm. and really like... And out of nowhere, at, kind of. Out of nowhere. And at least too, that's how it's edited. Right. You look like... Well, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is and it isn't edited that way because you see him getting drunker and drunker. True. And you see him wanting to keep drinking and then you see his mom telling him no and then you see his dad telling him to watch his language and right. like all these other themes that have been piling up that people keep telling him no people keep controlling him people keep telling him he's not making his, the right decisions people who make his decisions for him and then all of a sudden he it's just this outburst of anger at the camera at us at no one at everyone mm -hmm. and it really grounds him in our minds because up until this point, it could easily have felt like he is nothing but deluded and passionate for horror films or passionate for something. Mm -hmm. Then in that moment, you realize that there is something from childhood that is keeping him going, that makes him want to succeed and prove everyone wrong right? and to realize his vision and realize his purpose in life. And it, may, it makes it really tragic yeah but then also it makes you feel what you've seen other people display which is i want to help mark do this yeah. like you want to get behind him you can't watch this and not still and not want him to succeed right you really do want to see at least coven come together yeah right <laughs> if not northwestern yes. you know yeah <laughs> yeah and beyond that beyond um getting behind mark uh, I think this movie honors anybody who has a dream and didn't give up on it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for myself, I can say that this is true. I think everybody can say that it's true, that there is something they wanted to be or do that they gave up on. And Mark Borchardt isn't giving up on it. Right. And that's, even when he's working at the, at the um, cemetery, he's still living for that dream. And... The movie acknowledges that most of us don't go for it. And it's making a claim for admiring Mark. Um, and I wrote in my notebook, or does it um, take a superior attitude? And I don't think it does at no. all um, anymore. It was just a fleeting question I had. But um, that's what makes this documentary stand the test of time. Like, it's... It's not just funny. It's not sentimental. It's just super real yeah. and like speaks to everybody. Real in such a in such a 
surreal kind of way because mm-hmm. it's real in a sense where like it's this is real yeah you can't make this stuff up you know yeah <laughs> like, you couldn't make this stuff up you write right. this stuff out in a script and someone's gonna say this guy's way over the top yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i i kind of feel like people have been with the age of anti-heroes and tv and everything like the david brent sort of on, on the office the mm-hmm. british office like I don't know if American Movie was an influence at all. I know it was very close to that time when uh, The sure, Office yeah. came out in um, the UK. Yeah. But this this like passionate dreamer who... The audience almost has this super knowledge um, outside of the project that right. realizes that this person's probably not going to succeed. Yep. Yeah. And that to me, I think, is maybe where a little, some people might get a little uncomfortable with what you're laughing at. That's because true. You, you do tend to... You just look at Mark and you look at the ways of the world and you say... It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, even though you want it to happen. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where people are uncomfortable. It's not Mm -hmm. so much that you're laughing at this guy. It's that you're laughing at this guy because he's such a character, but you really wish that the world was a place where he could succeed. Yeah. You know, and And you know he's not, not. and you just don't want to see him get hurt. And that's the dark humor in it. Even in the office, that's the dark humor in it. And I think the people who can't separate the humor from it and the mocking, like that you can laugh with and you can have that maybe dramatic irony sort of you know the outcome and this person doesn't right but what i think this movie might it would be saying is that like who cares if it's not going to work out like he's going for it he's going for it this guy's doing something it uh, there were a lot you and i both watched um yodorovsky's dune yeah recently and it's a pretty stark contrast because yodorovsky had the greatest yeah, mind. For a second, can you just explain what yeah, for sorry, the Yodorovsky is? It's a dude. great documentary you should it is. also it's check tremendous. out. It came out this year. Um, it's about uh, Alejandro Yodorovsky, a Mexican film director who made El Topo and um, The Holy Mountain. Yeah. Some very strange. And I actually came out with a movie this year that I don't remember the name of. Um, he was in the 70s hired to write uh, and produce a, an adaptation of the book Dune. Mm-hmm. And he got um, H.R. Geiger, um, Dan O'Bannon, and Mobius, who, all who went on to work on Alien, yeah. um, to design and help write this script. Uh, it had um, Mick Jagger in it. It had Salvador Dali. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Like, he just got all these people together to make this film. They, they ended up producing this huge book of... Um, it was the whole storyboards, laid out. yeah, storyboards and designs. And it was basically to sell it so that they, they the studios would at least see, okay, he's he's got a plan. He and knows what he he's knows gonna what do. he's going to do. Um, and long story short, the film never ended up getting made, but the book of ideas was so Im, uh, important that images from that proposed fa- proposed and failed project have come through movies like uh Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. Star um, Wars, Star Wars, Alien, Alien of course yeah. Alien. Um the, the just po- I mean the movie like had reverberations even though it never got made. Um and so Yodorovsky was able to, you know, go on to make other films and fulfill other visions, but um he makes this point at the end that it it never happened but he wanted it to happen and that was enough right and he went for it and but he you have says to try yeah he says i want to live till i'm 300 and that's and, not gonna happen it's not yeah. gonna happen but i have ambition yeah <laughs> and i thought i saw that in and yodorovsky's not tragic in that story he's triumphant right but that's just because that's because it's his person because that's the way he talks and that's the way and he's made other movies and he's received validation through yes. the years mark borchand has never received the validation None. that might be the only None. difference you right know? Um, and I think Yodorovsky's doing and American movie make the argument that, um, failure isn't the worst thing that can happen to a person or a project that if that person had never had the dream and never had the drive and never went for it, that would have been the tragedy. That mm-hmm. would have been the failure. Um, and I, I think a lot of us are, are willing to laugh at Mark Borchert and say, oh Yeah he shouldn't have tried because look how we're laughing at him. But really the movie's saying like, you aren't, you aren't, you haven't even tried. Right. And this guy is. And in a way it's like, you can laugh at this guy all day long, but isn't he still a little bit of an inspiration? Yeah. Chris Smith doesn't make that fully obvious right yeah. away. 
Yeah. Because it's just a very real documentary. Yeah. It's, yeah, he doesn't comment. But, and I also think that his comments are very subtle. Well, maybe not so subtle. Like the fact that the movie's called American Movie. Yeah. That it's taking this story that's really very small. It's about a few people trying Mm -hmm. to make a movie, but he gives it this grandiose title to basically say, this is America. This is all of us. This is, and and also a tragedy of the American dream. Exactly. That this is Mark, Mark is always talking about the American dream ahead of its time it's 10 years ahead of its time talking about the american dream coming from somebody who's buried in debt right that's true too yeah and also someone who's talking about the american dream and all and bringing in all these other different elements about what it means to think like an american and Mm -hmm. i think what makes it so great is you're hearing it from someone like mark who speaks like an average american he's not an intellectual but he says some really interesting things like there's the part where he's well spoken in a way he is. And another way, it's like, I get what you're saying, and it's kind of brilliant, but it's so funny. Like when he talks yeah. about his religion and how yeah, he's, he's half, half Christian Satanist. and half Satanist. <laughs> it feels like in a Christian, what Jesus would be saying, it's, it's totally unchristian, man, to try to get ahead because everyone's on an equal level playing field, an equal par. But you know what? I'm not a Christian. I'm half and half, man. Half's uh, with the Satanist idea and half the Christian idea. Satanist, which is the pursuit of human endeavors, and Christianity, which is the pursuit of um, higher levels, you know? But you get what he's saying. (laughs) He's talking about there's a part of you that wants to be selfless and that wants to just live for other people. And there's the other part of you, and this is where the American dream comes in, that's maybe Satanist, (laughs) (laughs) that says, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going for it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get what I want. Yeah. And you know what? There were some shots in Coven that were really good. Like those those beginning, he was right that his black and white yeah. scenery. He the knew, scarecrows looked the great. The scarecrows and did again, look great. The, the other thing that I thought is what 15 years hindsight gives you and what I think is kind of unfair about questioning Chris Smith's motives with this documentary is we're coming at it after 15 years of reality television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where people have willfully made themselves caricatures. And in that interview with Chris Smith, they ask him, do you think this movie could even be made today? Because everyone knows they kind of have a a general knowledge of how reality television works. And that, you know, editing can do whatever it wants with a character. I know that I kind of have to put my best face forward or it's going to put me in a bad position. Um, And I think it's unfair almost to even... I won't say it's unfair to ask the question about what Chris Smith's motives were, but I think that it's unfair to assume think that to assume that he had the same mentality yeah, that some a filmmaker absolutely. that a filmmaker today would have making the exact same documentary. Right. Because from what I understand, he was in a film class with Mark Borcher and just thought he was a really interesting character. Oh, really? Okay. And said, I'm just gonna follow this guy around while he tries to make his movie and see what hmm. happens. Um, if I were to have that experience now you know, after all these years of reality television, the only way most people who would ever think to do that would come from is I want to try to paint this person as an idiot. Yeah, I want to make make some money off of... Whereas we don't know at all in 1999 if that would have even been remotely on his yeah, radar. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. If it would have just been sort of a... No, this guy is genuinely an interesting character. Yeah. I'd love to just film this guy for a while and see what he does. Yeah, you know? yeah. And if something comes of it, great. And if nothing comes of it, you yeah. Know, whatever. I don't have to try to edit it to make it say what I want it to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That. Yeah. That's a good point. One thing that I noticed this time around is that um, Mike Shank's soundtrack, because he wrote oh, the, the music, yeah, all the guitar music, it works. It totally works. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm surprised Wes Anderson hasn't used some of this. Because it's like that, like vaguely renaissance fairish tinkly sort of like it really worked for the movie but also i think it's an untapped resource mm-hmm. i think people should use mike shank's music i think so too it um, had this kind of like in in one of the part of the humor that came out of it was he was totally playing metal guitar on an acoustic guitar yeah and so that has that sort of outsider element to yeah. it too yeah 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 you know and i just i i love i love mike shank but i love these guys for being who they are, just for being like, for not caring that somebody was filming him while he practiced guitar blindfolded. <laughs> right. I, I love that. I love people who are who they are and yeah. they, they, they know what they want. And whether they're on camera or not on camera, it's yeah. going to make he no was damn do difference. do the same thing. Yeah. 
but the thing that I kept thinking about as I was watching that is um, there are people like that in the world. Um, they're larger than life in a way. I mean, Mike is actually a very quiet person right. in a way, but they're just, they're these people that if anything, you just want to get them on film. So you don't forget that these people existed, yeah. you know, that they were the way that they were and that people are sometimes even more interesting than what we can possibly write in a script. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just getting the right person on camera is going to be way more interesting than what the best screenwriter could write for a character. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, you know, we're talking about how there's no question to us, at least, that this movie is really funny. That yeah. these characters are really great. And I'm I'm relieved I can laugh at it. Yeah. Because there's stuff in there. Like the movie that he has called The More the Scarier. <laughs> That's such a funny, clever title. It is. I yeah. love it. It's yeah. I feel liberated to laugh at it. Yeah. Absolutely. And even oh my gosh. I laugh so hard every time Mike Shank does his scream. Oh my in the gosh. Microphone. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Ready, Mike? When I say take one, give it a couple seconds. Take one. That was wicked, man. Yeah, that's one of the greatest moments in the movie. Uh, the movie has so many great quotable lines. Yeah. It has some. It just has so many great clips that we could put on this podcast just to laugh, you know. Yeah. But a question I want to ask for you is: if this movie is more than just laughing at these characters, I would just want to throw the question out to you. What do you, What do you think this movie is about, ultimately? Well, I think I kind of mentioned. I, I think it's about um, that everybody has a dream. That everybody has something that they were aspiring to at some point in their life. Um, there's actually this really amazing poem by Anish Moshgani that he kind of talks about this, that we all wanted to be something, um, that we all had these aspirations, we had these dreams of the way life was going to go. And the way he puts it, he says, um, before the, the outside world of parking spaces and dead friends entered in and we forgot what we wanted and we became what we become, waitresses mm -hmm. and bartenders and city employees and temp positions. And he was saying, uh, he goes on to say in the poem that... No matter what we become, um, we're something. We are what we're supposed to be. Um, and I think there's something totally to that, that you don't let the, the disillusion of a dream uh, dictate who you are. But I think what this movie is saying, in opposition to maybe what the poem is saying, is that you never let that dream dissolve. And you never um, give up on it. No matter what you've learned in life, no matter how... Um, how you've learned to become disillusioned and disappointed, you should never uh, let that keep you from going for what you want to go for. Sure. Um, and I think that in that way, the American movie title is positive in, in that, that maybe oversimplified and overhyped uh, American ideal of going mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. But in the positive way, not the satanic way that where you, where you step on, right. on other people right. to do it, but... The way that can enrich other people too. Um, I don't know because Mark Mark Borchardt really is bringing a lot of people along for it. He's right. not selfish, right? Really. And my my take is that I think we, exactly what you were saying is exactly right. Um, but maybe not that American movie is necessarily a positive title for the movie, but it's a complicated title. Yeah. Because here's the thing, I think that we can applaud and really root for Mark Bortrand and what he's going for and just to do it and just to try it. Yep. But it comes at a cost. And no matter how driven you are towards your dream, there might be other things in your life that are going to get in the way of that. I don't know. It's very complicated because yeah. Uncle Bill also has a lot of points in what mm -hmm. he says, even though he's coming from a completely different, almost nihilistic angle, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting because Mark's got thousands of dollars of debt and right. he's going for it. And he, he believes in things and Uncle Bill believes in nothing. And he's is, got all this going money. for nothing. And he's got, yeah, over a quarter of a million dollars. And what I think is a really beautiful touch at the end is just where it says that he died and then he gave Mark all his money. Uh -huh. So it's basically well, like, his, well, yeah, the, the money 000. he, the money that he was asking for, it's just kind of this recognition of, and, and this goes back to the poem you were talking about. Does everybody have that dream, you know, mm -hmm. or are there people like Uncle Bill or the brother of Mark. Right. That just sort His of brothers. recognize the world for what it is, settle into what they're supposed to do, become who they are. Yeah. And then 
almost get annoyed at the people who do dream more. Yeah. But then at least Uncle Bill at the end of the day is able to say, you know what? That never happened for me. I never really felt it. It never did mm-hmm. anything for me. But you are so enthusiastic about mm-hmm. this. Just just take just take what you need yeah. and just go for it. You know? Well, I don't know that you we could say that they never had the dream. Because I think even though they never say it in the movie, it's not uncommon to hear people say, You think I wouldn't want to go? Blah blah sure. blah. Yeah. Everybody had at some point. It's true. Maybe it's just a little further in their youth and yeah. some people hang on to it a lot longer. Yeah. And maybe that's what well, the movie's about is the people Mark's who can't let 30. go of that. Yeah. He's not real old. True. But you're right. You're, it, it's complicated. It's very complicated to say that the American title is good and is good or bad is very difficult to say. Really, maybe what the what movie's even asking is, what is the American dream? Is it more like what Mark's laying out or is it more like what the brother's laying yeah. out? Is it more like the American dream is, if you dream it and you want it, you go for it. Or is it more like what the brother's saying, whereas in America, everyone has a way to just basically get by. You know, well, that the- even Mark, a person who by by the family's own account mm-hmm. is maybe a little bit of a loser, mm-hmm. that there's at least a way for him to get into a factory job and to make a living and to have a decent family. Yeah, well, that yeah. was that's another way that I find Chris Smith being very sympathetic towards Mark is that he lets his brother talk. Yes. And his brother, his brother honestly at one point says that he didn't think Mark Mark would amount to much more than a serial killer. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine growing up with that attitude and still want to make your movie? Yeah. Then you understand that anger when he's drunk. True. That's Um, very true. Yeah. But then his passion is so much more admirable. Like, how have you not gotten beaten down by now? Yeah. All right, so we, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff with this movie. It does actually look like that on our rewatch. We found a lot more in it than maybe we gave it credit for at the beginning. Oh, yeah. When I we think first so. watched it years I, ago. Honestly, well, I think through our discussion, we found a lot more than... And, and with all of you guys weighing in with mm-hmm. everything, too. So that always helps us out a lot. So, um, yeah, again... Give us your thoughts about uh, your own thoughts about American Movie if you rewatched it and what you thought about it. We are on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go Can to we our website, exactly, and comment on the episode itself. Um, give us a phone call. The number is on our website, and leave a message, and mm-hmm. you just might actually end up on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Ryan, do you want to maybe talk about uh, what we're actually going to discuss in our next episode of Can We Still Be Friends? Sure. We're trying to be a little topical, uh, not <laughs> new, um, movie-wise, but news-wise. Yeah. Um, news Stuff's of the world. Stuff's going on outside, yeah. of, uh, outside of movies. <clears throat> yeah, believe it or not. Um, but we still found a way to tie it into movies. <laughs> uh, so in the UK, Scotland is... Uh, they're going to be fighting. voting. Yeah, for they're, they're voting independence. To, right to to you know not be part of the UK anymore. Um, that vote's coming up. Uh, so in honor of that, <laughs> Nate is making me watch a movie I have never seen before and haven't actively been avoiding, but have not certainly been seeking out. And that movie is another great movie for Scottish freedom, <laughs> Braveheart, which is a movie that I was thinking to myself wait, why are we voting for something? Didn't the movie Braveheart tell me that we yeah. got freedom? Yeah, no matter Spoiler what, alert, no matter what happens, I believe. Uh, Isn't that famously, even... Famously, yeah. no matter what, they can vote us down, but they can never take <laughs> our, our freedom. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> I believe that was the last lines. Yeah. Um, and honestly, after um, a lot of our discussion that happened in our previous episodes of Gladiator yeah. uh, and talking about historical epics. <laughs> I, I don't know. I got a feeling, Ryan, there's a good chance this you're going to This is going to be the one yeah. oh, that I hate. That you're going to hate. You're going to oh, hate yeah. this movie. No, I don't think so, I disagree with you. I thought you were going to so, say something I didn't agree it, with. And this is a movie that I haven't watched in years um, and I remember ah. loving. It was actually one of the first movies that got me into movies, um, but... I'm a little, I'm a little scared wow. about rewatching it. I don't know how it's going to hold up. And hey, there's the whole Mel Gibson thing. Yeah, yeah so. it'll be an interesting one. Uh, I am going to watch it, and I know <laughs> there are opinions about this movie. Yeah, so for sure. You all have opinions about this movie. I know that if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, watch <clears throat> it with us, uh, yeah. so you can discuss it and talk about it with us. Um, but if you have seen it, we want to hear what your thoughts are about Braveheart. If you've seen it recently, what your thoughts were when you first saw it. So please, yeah. we'll, we'll put up a post on our website. If you want to either poison the well or sweeten the pot for me, see, try to get me to think one way or the <laughs> other before I watch it. 
Um, so yeah. And really quickly though, we did want to actually talk a little bit about our last episode, yeah. uh, garden States, yeah. um, because we got a lot of great feedback about yeah, that. And awesome. I, I was going to actually ask you, Ryan, if, um, you know, we, we actually had a really good discussion, I think about, um, all sorts of things, especially about, uh, where we were coming from and, and mm-hmm. what that, what that movie did for us in that age. Um, anything changed since you watched it at all or any more further reflection at all? Well, no, I don't know. I, I guess the only thing that maybe changes is that I feel feel more uh, compassion for Zach Braff than anything else. Sure. Um, still really don't care to see the movie again. Yeah. And wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> what I would recommend is, and, and I don't recommend this for any other website but our own, is to actually go to the comments <laughs> section on our website. And what check- other websites are there? <laughs> <laughs> go to uh, canwestillbefriends.net and actually look at the episode and see some of the comments that were being uh, thrown down about some of the thoughts after w- listening to it, especially um, somehow Life Aquatic got thrown yeah, in Life there. Yeah, Life Aquatic and Napoleon Dynamite. We also had a really good uh, really good and lengthy comment that's definitely worth reading, reading from Stephen, giving the whole background of the um, Manic Pixie Dream Girl yeah. um, and, and the criticism that even came after that about... Um, how we interpret that and what that means. Yeah. Um, definitely worth your time. And then I should probably mention my sister-in-law, Lindsay, left a nice comment saying that she felt after uh, she saw Garden State in college, she had moments in her life that reminded her of Garden State. Just those odd moments. Yeah, she mentioned that, the hardware store yeah, thing, some, which, so, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's true. There are those moments that seem to only happen in college that are like, this wouldn't happen any other time. So maybe Zach Braff was trying to nail that moment i'm giving him too much credit i've taken (laughs) i've taken too much compassion on zach braff yeah and uh scrubs was had the first anti-hero right sure probably yeah (laughs) without scrubs there's no breaking bad true yeah you heard it here first folks (laughs) uh anyway we love hearing what you guys have to say and we uh, are looking forward to what you have to say about american movie in our next episode on braveheart please weigh in and we're just really glad that you guys are actually doing this you're commenting that you're watching the movies with us that you're uh, commenting and yep repeating myself we love it it's late we're tired um thanks for listening yeah and uh we'll we'll catch you next time sure